0: Pod. Havlicek stole the pod. stole the pod. And did the Clippers illegally steal Kawhi? We're talking here with Soap on Deb of the New York Times. Welcome, my friend. Thanks so much for having me, man. All right. So you had a big piece the other day, along with ESPN, that we're going to get to in just a minute. But first, have you ever had your wisdom teeth out? Because I've been suffering.
1: I did. I hadn't. I had all four taken out in one swoop. I think I was in college. It was early college or late. Yeah, it was early college.
0: I'm in the same. I'm in late college, but oh, it's been a bad week.
1: (laughs) Ice your face, my man.
0: You gotta ice the face. I got the. You know, I used the peas, the frozen peas. Absolutely. And and I think I did it effectively the first few days, but I couldn't resist eating. I I decided to get back to bread, meats and it just has all, like, I, I don't want to get too graphic here. Jeff's going to kill me, but it's it's in a bad place in my mouth, and it's just causing me all kinds of discomfort right yeah. now. All right. That's my state of affairs. The NBA has had a wild, wild summer, and I want to talk to you first and foremost about your piece about Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers, the NBA investigation. Where are we at in this? Are the Clippers going to get tapped on the wrist, or is there going to be something serious that comes out of this, you think?
1: Well, there are a couple of things. First of all, we don't know uh, that it's the Clippers necessarily. Uh, we don't know. All we know is that they are looking into uh, reports and owner objections, owners raised objections at the Board of Governors meeting in Las Vegas that about, cap in, uh, about inducements that went around the salary cap. We don't know what those are. Um, we know that this investigation has begun. We know that it began in part because of the Board of Governors meeting and also in response to a couple of these um, uh, of these reports that came out this week that were very kind of lightly sourced and very vague. Um, we don't know if it's the Clippers. We don't know what the scope is. We don't know if it's a question of players asking for stuff, teams offering stuff. We don't know exactly what this is. Um, we, do, we also don't know if it's a lot of teams. Is it one team? There, there's a lot we don't know. I imagine we'll find out you know, more in the next
0: couple of weeks. I saw in the article mention the bonus. It almost read like a college investigation piece. The, mm-hmm. <laughs> the offers of condos and the other speculations about what what he and his uncle Dennis, who we hear about quite often, uh, might have been requesting from the Clippers. Is what, what are the salary cap rules that he might have broken? And if this is true, that he was asking for these extra favors.
1: Well again I don't want to speculate too much on that only because you know Stephen A Smith himself you know who you know said on the you know said on ESPN like I I, I don't know if these allegations are true. And then the TSN report the other report that said this um the TSN's the Canada based outlet didn't even go as far as to say that Kind of, kind of suggested something was untoward about what um, Uncle Dennis was asking for, but he didn't say what exactly. So, you know, I don't want to go too far in saying what could have prompted this other than the fact that obviously the NBA felt it was serious enough to open an investigation and that there were several owners that raised concerns, you know, at the Board of Governors meetings in Las Vegas. So, uh, you know, I don't have a sense of how seriously they're taking, the whether it's the Clippers or whatnot, we just don't know yet. We just don't know what that could possibly be. What what they offered that was outside the bond bounds of the CBA. Like you, you probably can't offer someone, you know, an ownership stake down the line. For example, you know, but, you can't make under t- under the table deal that says, okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, you
0: relate it to the Joe Smith situation from way back.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Joe Smith example is a good one where you know Joe Smith signed a less than less than market deal, but secretly signed a separate deal that was far more lucrative. You can't do that. Look, the NBA is under a lot of pressure, I think, because, you know, between, you know, what seemed to be fairly obvious tampering going on. And look, with all the player movement going on, and how fast the news cycle goes, with all these players asking out of their contracts early, you have a case where, you know, I think the owners are suddenly being, looking around and saying the landscape of the league is changing right below us, and contracts don't mean contracts anymore. So, you know, it should be interesting to see how this plays out.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting, and it's it's there's a weird dichotomy there because we love this, we absolutely love the transaction. I, I think there's there would be if we if we voted, what's more exciting, the transaction or the NBA game, the NBA regular season game? I think it's buying a far away the transaction, and the, the the massive transactions we see every summer are a big big reason for the interest, the obsession, the social media cult around this league, and. People have known for so long, I mean, you know, people in the article too, Bobby Portis coming on pretty much admitting that there was tampering going on with his recruitment to the Knicks. People just accept this. Adam Silver has said this is going on for a very long time. And Silver's the interesting one out of this whole story, I think, because he always has had an ear to the NBA fan, to what people are talking about. He reacts very quickly to what's being discussed about the league. This is an interesting one because I think people like where the off season is at right now. All this player movement, all these trades. He seems to want to address it.
1: Adam Silver is going to at the end of the day he answers to the owners and it's the owners definitely raise concerns. Yeah. at yeah. the meeting about about particularly tampering, right? So, uh, and 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 so and he himself came out and said in a kind of remarkable Press conference at the, at the in Las Vegas saying, "Look, these rules clearly need work. They're not being enforced correctly right now, and we're going to have to look at seeing what those changes are." So that was a pretty interesting thing for Silver to say publicly. Yeah, and I will also say, yeah, Silver. I think does have. I think you're right. He does have his ear to the ground as far as um, you know, fans. Uh, blah blah blah. Ultimately, Adam Silver is going to do what's good for the NBA in terms of, you know, kind of in a corporate way, right? We'll increase profits. We'll increase ratings. And on some level, look, this transaction stuff, it's good for the league, right? There's interest year-round. There's interest in the summer and the off-season. So ultimately, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, 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 I wonder if there will be serious changes, you know, or whether there will be more incremental rather.
0: This has been an this has been a discussion since the very beginning of the off season, and things moved so quickly from the NBA draft to the free agency period to the trades we saw the last few weeks. There was just such a rush, one event to the next, to the next, to the next, that almost you know nothing seemed to stick. That's like the news cycle nowadays, pretty much. Uh, and I remember Ainge saying right after the draft that he's always been a proponent of moving free agency before the draft. Right, He didn't say specifically right after the NBA Finals, but I'd imagine it would be Finals end, free agency begins, there's no moratorium, there's no handshake agreements. We had that issue with Marcus Morris too. There's just been so many different issues raised during this summer where he backed out of his Spurs contract. I wonder if the solution would be just yeah, I- moving it to the end of the NBA Finals period, getting rid of that moratorium. We talked about some of the issues on prior shows that might arise with that because you know trades need to happen that clear up space for agreed upon deals but that moratorium seems to be the problem right here
1: and and I will say to the credit of in defense of the NBA here I will say that there's this is a very unprecedented level of player movement you know it's never been like this yeah you don't see this many all NBA players switching teams in one offseason so I think this kind of took the NBA by surprise. It took all of us by surprise. Um, it took all of us by surprise. So you know, uh, we'll see. You know, my guess—they definitely discussed moving up the moving up um, the the free agency date to after final. Look to me, and this is me speaking as an NBA fan. You know, and I know no one will ever agree to this, but this is just me as a fan. I would just get rid of tampering rules. Just get rid of them. It doesn't—they're doing it anyway. Right, they're they they're just not doing it publicly. I mean, you saw the case of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You know, multiple people had that partnership being discussed during the regular season. That is tampering. Now, is it enforced? Not really. How do you enforce? Well, that on?
0: one's interesting because the report is that the Nets never talked to Durant. I, this seemed to be completely orchestrated by Irving and Durant. And I,
1: I find that preposterous. And <laughs> I, you know, because I know Sean Mark said that. You know that. You know, but I find that preposterous, and the reason I find that yeah,
0: consider the source.
1: Like, like what if what if the Nets didn't want Durant? Okay, so what, what would that? What would happen if that Kevin Durant announced it on Instagram and then? And then that's like, ooh, hold on, let's let's see, you know what I mean? Like, I find it preposterous that they did not have a conversation beforehand, or maybe the Nets, maybe Sean Marks didn't, but maybe like an emissary representing the Nets did. You know, I, I find it really hard to believe that the Nets woke up one morning and they were like, oh wow, I guess Kevin Durant's a net now. <laughs> I find that very difficult to believe. And 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 uh, in addition to that, what if they, what if the Nets didn't want to sign Durant for a full max? You know what if what if Durant only wanted to sign for two years well, and like and then what happens instead they just like kind of announced on Instagram as if I, I don't know that, that struck me as very hard to believe that the Nets never had any sort of conversation with Kevin Durant before well, I even- think
0: it's a possibility only because you look to the other side of the country and what happened with the Clippers they pretty much had to take George. Like, I don't think there were a lot of conversations on the Paul George front prior to that. It just kind of came up that, all right, if you want Kawhi, you're going to have to go get Paul George. That was something that the players orchestrated. And I think that is a big problem with this tampering system because it focuses on the teams when this se- off season seemed to be so heavily orchestrated by the players and, and them coming yeah. together and making these things happen.
1: And for what it's worth, I mean, good. You know, and, and what I mean by that is... Yeah. I'm sorry, like, the league is, frankly, more fun to follow if the tampering is going on in public, you know? It, like, if, you know, it, because they're doing it anyway. We might as well just, it's actually more transparent if we just know about it. They're just openly allowed to talk about it. Now, there there is a distraction factor for young players you have to fit in. So you're uh, finishing your rookie extension or something, and suddenly, you know, another GM says, oh, yeah, uh, uh, Jalen Brown... You know we're de- we're gonna sign we're gonna sign uh, we wanna we're gonna definitely go after him and offer him an offer sheet we're we're gonna give him one well that that could be distracting to a young player but at the end of the day these are grown adults okay and these discussions are happening anyway you know so there's no point in pretending that this rule is being uniformly enforced it's not and 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 Adam Silver knows it's not owners know it's not you know Grousebeck knows it's not because look Kemba Walker the The clock hit six o'clock, okay. on On that Sunday, the free agency began, and Kemba Walker was a Celtic, okay, you know. And and so clearly, this is going on. So you might as well just, you know, I don't think it harms. I don't. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I haven't heard an argument that says tampering hurts the NBA.
0: Yeah, and I, if we talk about a solution. I don't think there is a solution to the player end of it. The players are always going to talk. They're friends. They spend off seasons together. There's literally no way possible to stop these conversations from happening unless you just had a league official following these guys around every minute of their lives. When you consider that end of it, I think your argument holds there because you can attack the teams all you want. You can attack Magic Johnson, winking on late night shows, but you're never going to stop the Durant, Irving locker room meetings at the all-star game.
1: Right. But, and, and clearly it's not just players, right? I mean, look, what, I guess what gets me is on some level, the NBA cares about a certain kind of tampering because Doc Rivers went on ESPN and he said Kawhi's Jordan Ness and he got Dean for tampering, you know? But meanwhile, scores and scores of players get signed right away as soon as free agency hits bobby portis as you as you mentioned straight up said on the record the knicks reached out to him well before it was appropriate
0: yeah what did that say he didn't have any reservations at all about throwing that out there so
1: at this point if they're just gonna flout it if they're just gonna be open about it just you know don't just just have it be legalized you know Like, at this point, don't even do the fines for Doc Rivers saying Kawhi is Jordan-esque or Magic Johnson saying, yeah, we'd love to have Anthony Davis. Yeah, no kidding. Of course you would.
0: We're here with Soap on Deb of the New York Times. You can read his piece about the NBA's investigation into whether the salary cap was violated on the New York Times website. Love the New York Times basketball coverage between you, Mark Stein, the rest of them. It's really been on the come up this year. But you haven't always covered sports. You you've no. covered a lot of different things, including. I mean, we we talk about stick to sports. <laughs> you you went from covering the twenty sixteen election to covering basketball, which I I've never seen anything like that.
1: Well, it's actually there's a step in between there. So I actually so yeah, I was I covered the. Um, I covered the Trump campaign. I was a I was a campaign embed, so I traveled around the country with him for a year and a half. And then I um, I did that, and then after that, I took a job at the time. So I did that for CBS, and then I went to the times and I covered culture for, for roughly two years. Um, the, the culture beat was uh, film, TV, television, theater, music, dance, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you know, there's a lot of politics and culture overlap. And then after a couple of years. You know I also did some nBA stuff like I did a uh, I did that Kyrie Irving interview last year where he um, he kept talking about the earth being flat um, and then and then you know I, I I you know this opportunity came up and um, I thought why not try something new I, I never thought I'd be doing sports again to be honest with you I, I went to college at bu at Boston University initially to go do sports broadcasting and then after college, I never thought I'd do sports again because I just after a while you know the thing about being around athletes after a while is that you know, there's, you know, they get kind of sick of you. You get kind of sick of them, um, and so it's hard to like. You know, they're normal human beings, athletes, but we treat them. We put them on a pedestal, right? And and so you know, there are days when they don't want to deal with us, but we stick a mic in their face anyway. And, and so I never thought I'd be doing this again, but you know what? Um, the way that the times covers basketball, it's a lot of features. It's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of kind of interesting stories. So it's not like I have to, you know, kind of, it keeps the job from becoming a grind if that makes sense
0: yeah well and you got to go into other areas and i I think that's interesting because a lot of people who want to go into sports media they just jump right into in college and it's sports 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 right from there for like the rest of their lives that's all they focus on is sports sports you've been able to you know cover different areas culture politics i feel like that makes you more well-rounded and improves your sports analysis in some way because you know as much as some people want sports to be covered strictly through the lens of sports there's so many different other aspects of life i feel like that touch on that whether it's music whether it's politics whether it's food like there's just all these different things that intersect with that, that that you know i think there is some benefit to you know going out and covering other areas i don't know if you feel like that helped you at all in your job
1: uh well here's what i'll say nothing prepared me to cover basketball more than covering politics there's a lot of overlap um, for example, instead of covering candidates, you're covering teams. Um, the the uh, the quality of the press people for each team varies depending on the organization. Same thing for politics and their candidates. The flacks, you know, the PR people, they vary quality depending on the team. Um, access gets limited as the stakes get higher. That's that's very similar to politics. Um, you know, and the kind of list goes on and on. I, I will also say, um, you know, you hear from unhappy fans in both, in both instances, yes. you know, and the vitriol can be very high in both. Now the difference, one difference, obviously the big difference is that politics is important and basketball is not, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like sports are not, you know, in, in the kind of your day to day in the grand scheme of things, you're watching, uh, athletes play a sport, you know, it's naturally not that important. Whereas politics, it affects real lives, you know, um, and so yeah, there's cert- there's certainly a lot of overlap um, between. Oh, instead of covering um, poll numbers, you're covering um, you're covering uh, you're covering box scores. If anything, I actually think it's problematic when politics reporters cover politics too much, like sports.
0: I was just gonna bring that up because you know, that,
1: that bothers- because that's
0: what it feels like. There's overlap on both sides there.
1: And you kind of saw that like in the, you know, like today in the aftermath of the Mueller hearings, you're hearing who won, who lost, you know, Republicans won, Democrats won, you know, so-and-so lost, Mueller lost. And it's like that is not a game. Basketball is a game. And so I can take the skills that I picked up in covering politics, covering a campaign at a high level and apply it to – And apply it to the NBA. And I I think it does make me a different reporter than someone who's been doing this. That doesn't make me a better reporter per se, but it makes me – how I approach stories are different.
0: I do want to get into some more about you because you're just an interesting guy. I want to learn more about you. We, we can only probably do that on another podcast. There's just so much stuff I want to talk about here. I do want to go back to this summer and the trades because I'm writing a piece right now about the huge, huge trades we saw. The Harden. No, Harden. We saw Harden one a couple years ago, but now those two teams united and did the Westbrook one this time. Yeah. The George one, of course and the Anthony Davis ones with just these massive, massive pick hauls, And I, I'm thinking about how this relates to the lottery changes that they made last year. We saw the craziest lottery ever Pelicans jumping up from way back to the front, the Knicks going all in on tanking and ending up with the third pick. It was just a, you know, big mess, a beautiful mess.
1: Right. Well, I think there are a couple things at play.
0: Um, I think it started years ago. This started years ago with,
1: um, this started years ago with uh, you know the decision. You know that was a real concrete example of a player, an all-time great in his pro, in his prime, taking control of his own destiny, and then saying, "I'm going to go play with X." But it actually goes back before that. I will say to the Jordan years because the thing you, what is the thing you link with Michael Jordan more than anything? Six rings. So your entire legacy is judged by the amount of rings you have. When you talk about Charles Barkley and Karl Malone and John Stockton and Reggie Miller, these guys are Hall of Fame basketball players. But that's the first sentence of their obituary. Sorry, career, you know, career obituary, not real obituary. The second <laughs> is, when you talk to fans, is, well, they don't have a ring. And when you don't have a ring, your you know, legacy somehow gets diminished, even though it's a team game and you're one of five players and maybe you, know, you ran up against some bad luck what that has done is incentivize these players to do you know use this leverage that you know that they have and, and 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 go win a ring you know that's why kevin durant is signing with the warriors right that's why anthony davis is leaving new orleans to try to play with lebron Right, that's why Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard is now granted. Kawhi Leonard has street cred, you know, independently of playing with those superstar, superstar, of course, because he has two rings. But that's why Kawhi Leonard is like, okay, I need Paul George if we're going to make this work, you know. Um, and so, you know, the the list goes on and on. But part of this is a cultural issue that that fans have too, have incentivized have, have too. They define careers simply by rings. And that is not—I don't—I don't think that's a healthy way to judge players, because this is why, you know, you know, like for example, you know, Kevin Durant won two rings, you know, but on those rings, he had three potentially all-time greats next, greats next to him. But when his career winds down, let's assume that he never wins again with the Nets. I'm not saying he won't, but let's say for the sake conversation, he's gonna, you know. You know, I don't know that those rings will be taken as seriously, but I just think that we as fans need to stop defining players by the rings they win.
0: You know what I mean? Isn't that interesting, too? Because, you know, we know about Durant and the Burner accounts, and we were talking about Silver having, like, that pulse to the fans and just that whole culture being adopted by how the fans are perceiving these players based off championships championships it right. gets through to these guys and they change their behavior i can't think of any other sport where the fans have like that big of an impact on how the league reacts and how the players react
1: well part of it is is that a single player well players aren't judged by rings in other sport you know not you know like
0: yeah yeah
1: you know like honestly uh arod won an mvp i believe with the rangers in last place you know, or like having a terrible record, you know, I mean, because they know one player can only do so much in baseball, you know, you know, uh, in basketball, one player plays most of the game. They play, you know, 40, 35, 40 minutes a night. They play both sides of the floor. You're one of five players, you know, on the team, on the court at once, whereas in baseball, you're one of nine. Um, so all that is to say, you know, because one player makes so much of a difference, that's why rings have matter a lot more, and the amount of championships you, you win matter a lot more. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction. And it started, I think, with Jordan. It started with those six rings. It started with, you know, you know uh, what was the quote that Jordan gave once? I think it was talking about Kobe. Six is better than, you know, I, I don't know much, but six is better than five. I think that was the Oh no, I think I can't remember the exact quote. It might have been Jordan talking about Kobe versus LeBron and I don't know, I think 5 is better than 3 or something like that. And it's like, you know, that's not it's not a nuanced argument. It's not it's not like, you know, this stuff is not black and white like that.
0: Well, Jordan set the standard that that singular force can drive multiple rings, six championships, dynasty. That that whole th- monster got created there. And it is interesting because those dynasties existed before. The Celtics, the Lakers previously, like those two teams going back and forth, winning the amount of championships that they did. But once Jordan comes, that singular force rather than the team... Being the driving force of all those championships, I think that flips things instantaneously right there.
1: Absolutely, and but let's put that in perspective. If Jordan's '90s Bulls went up against the 1980s Celtics and Lakers, they probably don't win six championships. If those '90s Bulls go up against, um, you know, the 2016, 2017 Cavs and Warriors, you know, I don't think they're streamrolling those teams. I mean let's be honest here you know the surround the teams that surrounded the bulls in the 90s were not the high quality teams that we have in this decade or the decades before the 90s so like you have to you have to like factor in nuance i think when you are having these discussions but to your point yes i agree jordan became the singular force in a way that kind of you know will chamberlain was decades before you know, but even then, Jordan definitely rede- redefined what that meant. What 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 it meant to be a singular force.
0: Yeah, because I don't think Russell will get that. Cre- and Wilt didn't have the amount of championships that Russell did, as I'll point out. But I don't think Russell gets the credit for the 11 championships as much as like the Celtics organization does and the teams and the other pieces around him. The team there, whereas Jordan, you know, not Phil Jackson, not Scottie Pippen, it's Jordan, not the Bulls, even get right. credit for the six championships there. Right.
1: Right. No, I, I, you're totally right. Um, now, that's not saying Michael Jordan isn't the greatest player in history. He, he could. But I think you can make that argument without using rings. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't have to say, oh, he won six rings, so he's the greatest. There are other things that factor in. So anyway, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't factor in rings at all. I'm saying that that shouldn't be the sole defi- de- defining of someone's career. You know, like – like because it, it, it keeps people – like. I'll give you two examples of which this really bothers me for, and we're kind. Of, and I want to get back to your question about the summer and the trades, but like Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony. Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony are first ballot Hall of Famers. They should be unanimous, as not even a question. But because they don't have a ring, Howard went to the finals once. Uh, uh, Mello went to the Western Conference Finals. There's like, oh well, they don't have rings. They weren't winners. Blah blah blah. They were dominant in their primes. Straight up dominant. E- Mello was a top ten player. Howard was probably a top five player in his prime. But because of the rings discussion, there's like this this like you know cloud hanging over their careers as to whether they were actually Hall of Fame worthy players. And the answer is yes, they were. Um, anyway, so that's that's kind of my spiel on this. Back to your point about you know player player movement and all this stuff. You know I talked about the culture of the NBA, uh, the decision. The- Here's the thing: when you have max, when you have players being paid below their market value, which is what happens in the NBA because of the salary cap and max salaries, you know, players are going to feel empowered to take matters into their own hands, you know, and especially when they can trade you whenever they want, you know, Isaiah Thomas, you know, goes through a lot of family grief, goes out and drops 50 in the playoffs, carries the Celtics to the Eastern Conference Finals, and he gets traded right away for Kyrie Irving. You know, and, and and so if you're a player looking at that, why shouldn't you go, why shouldn't you take control of your own destiny? Look at Chris Paul, you know, and uh, Chris Paul gets traded to Oklahoma. I don't think that's what he had in mind for himself, you know, as he enters the
0: twilight of his career. What do you think about the cost of a star nowadays that is just skyrocketed? Because if we do look at those two trades, the Chris Paul trade and the Irving trade, that Irving trade looked like a... Pretty big package back then. The Brooklyn pick, Jay Crowder, Isaiah, Ante Zizic. Like that that for that time that looked like a sizable deal. Now you look at four to six first round picks moving. Well, between these Davis, between the Westbrook and the other deals, that almost went up after every single trade. We looked at the Lakers trade and were just astonished with the amount of picks that moved, and it got higher from there. Never mind, oh, is this going to happen in future years? It happened twice in the same offseason. Right after that, is that the future? Or is that just another anomaly? After this,
1: I don't think it's an anomaly. See, so it used to be that it used to, uh, you know, that it used to take years to rebuild your team when it got bad because you'd build through the draft. Right, but in this new era of player empowerment, you could swing for the fences and get a star player right away and turn around your franchise really quickly. Look at the Nets, okay? Look at the Raptors, you know. Um, and so, and so, I think draft picks are less valuable today than than cap spaces. So now the rebuilding, you know, I think w- the model you're going to see is is cap space. People are going to hoard cap space, and if that means giving up a first round pick. To give up a bad contract, sure. In terms of the asking price for what it takes to get a star, yes, at face value, okay. Paul George and Anthony Davis got huge returns for Oklahoma and New Orleans. However, we don't know what those actual returns are. We don't know what this deal looks like a year from now. Because let's say, let's say I don't remember the exact number of picks. Let's say the Pelicans got like five picks and. Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and uh, – who is that it? Yeah, I think I – think.
0: Josh okay. Hart. Don't forget Josh, Josh Hart. Hart. All right,
1: right. OK. If all five of those picks end up in the 20s, OK, and Lonzo Ball doesn't prove himself to be an NBA player. And Brandon Ingram turns – I mean I think he's already definitely a, a, a bona fide rotation player. But he doesn't turn into an all-star, OK? And look, most picks in their 20s don't work out. So if that's what happens, then is that actually a win for New Orleans? Same for Oklahoma. The thing is, we don't know. The, you know, on at face value, it looks great, but we don't know what these deals look like. Um, and and frankly, they might not even keep all of these. They might trade it for someone else. So we don't know what the asking price is because we can't judge these trades until years down the road. And look, the Celtics Nets deal is a perfect example of that. If you remember at the time that you know Pierce and KG were given up for like Gerald Wallace and. Chris Humphreys and whoever else was in that flotsam deal, it looked people were criticizing the Celtics.
0: Yeah, how, that's right.
1: How could you give up Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett for that? And now that deal is is rightfully known as one of the most lopsided deals in NBA history.
0: And I think that influenced the way we look at the, you know, Lakers Pelicans trade specifically because when the Nets make that trade, oh they're just giving up a bunch of picks. Now you look at the Pelicans making that trade. They're getting a lot of credit for getting a ton of picks from the Lakers because I think people look at what the Celtics ended up with in Tatum and Brown, and Mm -hmm. they're like, all right, that could end up happening in New Orleans. They already have Zion and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and they're going to pile on top of that. It's just the star end of that usually wins that deal. And as I said earlier, the lottery is more unpredictable than ever. Even right. if you are getting like a decent shoe and lottery pick, like you could end up back in the Knicks range as they were this year.
1: Uh and and you know, look, I I'm curious how all this affects tanking because, you know, I I, I don't know, I don't know if the teams will have the incentive to. Um, to get that, I mean, they'll certainly be incentivized, but I think that teams see a quicker path to contention than they did before. You know, because players are more willing to leave their own teams. You know, if if you have cap space, you know, you're suddenly in play in a way that you weren't before. Now, all of this also depends on who, who, what free agents are available, because this was also there are a lot of free agents available this offseason that might not be the case next season or the year after so you know we'll just see what happens
0: yeah and a team like houston who isn't going to have first round picks for a long time if this fans out tanking won't even be an option for them and there's protections in there and everything else but we got pretty deep in this conversation i'm glad for the insight you brought here tonight we'll talk to you again because there's just so much to talk about with you this summer We'll let you get back to work reporting. It doesn't end until August. Then you just sleep until September with training camp. FIBA is actually happening this year. We didn't even talk about all the withdrawals from that. So that will keep us going a little bit, I guess, once August gets through. But that's Soap on Deb. Check out his story, as I said. And you can follow him on Twitter at Soap on Deb as well. Thank you so much for being here on the Celtics Blog Pod.
1: Hey, man. Thanks so much for having me, man. Good to see you.
0: Hi. Pod.